so unlike other people who think a life comfortable life is all about having no stress for you when you don't have any stress that becomes stressful wow that's extremely extremely revealing what else do you know about me <laughs> this uh-huh. is just big getting started this was like the, just the first point <laughs> there thank you so much for joining me one more time on the absolutely right podcast india's first show based on graphology also known as handwriting analysis i'm your host aditi frana i'm a behavioral analyst a high performance coach and an anti anxiety expert each wednesday we invite a guest who is a high performer a leader a successful person in his or her own right the idea is to decode their personality know their success hack and get inspired by them to claim the best version of ourselves so you and i learn together from these people while i get to also analyze their personality with the help of graphology so if you want to make the most of this conversation then make sure that you grab a notepad and a pen to analyze your own personality as i analyze the guest on the show today we have invited nikhil rastogi an iitian with 20 years of experience who after working with companies like hsbc amazon city bank decided to pick up something more entrepreneurial something that he got to do in his current role as a marketing director and e-commerce business head for Dyson India to move from a complete corporate kind of an environment to his current role to go through the transition was exciting but not simple he shares his journey his learning on the way my favorite part where he talks about resilience and hacks around them a trade that is mostly overlooked as he calls it without further ado let me invite Nikhil to join us and let's get started Hi Nikhil welcome to absolutely right we are curious about the journey that you have taken from being really really safe with your choices and then going absolutely crazy if i may say with this particular career choice so over to you please tell me uh, you know did you know as a child that you were going to do something like this you're going to be so invested in a product or whatever business or work that you pick up hey aditi hi and uh, i absolutely had no idea about this life i wish i had Uh, when i was a kid first i wanted to be an astronaut uh, okay. for for quite some time till i figured out maybe that's difficult <clears throat> and i started to enjoy sports more okay and uh, then i wanted to be a sportsman okay till i was almost like till class 10th i was pretty serious about pursuing a career in sports i played um, under 15 for india as well uh, okay. in cricket and uh, so i thought that's the choice but then uh, somebody told me hey there's something called an iit Have you heard about this? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that also sounds all right. Let me let me go and uh, try about that. Uh, apparently, all the intelligent people are going on that side. Sure. So, so I made that choice, and uh, here I am. So, figuring out what to do next. So, yesterday when we were having a brief conversation, you spoke about your first job experience and how you were determined, though you were not first, probably the first major. transition that you made or like a impact that you created please tell us i found that a uh, story of a young employee figuring out you know creating huge change was was very inspiring okay so uh, amit was quite scary i don't know how much inspiration i can provide with that my really initial days as a brand manager as a, as a junior brand manager i was lucky to to have this assignment and probably i at that time was punching above my weight it was supposed to be given to a very senior person but i i think i had a more provocative interview and i got the job okay what does uh, that mean which means that i challenged a lot of things that they were doing just because i did not know the ramifications of that so i just spoke my mind uh, i think it so told them what's wrong with the brand yeah so i said hey it's it's quite funny daddy we need to do a lot of changes who uses this anymore uh, <laughs> and i don't see it in the drawing i mean you know in the dressing tables etc anymore at that time i see it in the bathrooms people are actually uh you know they don't want to show that they're using hair oil if you ask me honestly uh, sure. that's what i've seen in my own house uh, i think it landed on well and mm. i got on to do that job uh, little did i realize that it was a very very significant brand uh, for the company and they had an entire range of uh, other products like shampoos soaps etc all based on this uh, mm. very very central uh, very tightly controlled Uh, directly overseen by the top management even the even the family and the board mm-hmm. so any changes that you do or any tinkering that you suggest will go through multiple layers of approval but uh, i think the good thing about uh, the organization was that they were also willing to listen i think that's the reason they gave me that job mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i think uh, then this little story started where uh, i first went to to a very senior resource there i, mean, I won't take names 
to really present the campaign there and uh, he bought the bottle from his shelf i mean we used to have this very nice shelf of all our brands behind senior management and they had like the big teak <laughs> you know table you are like 10 feet away from the gentleman right uh, it only exactly. reminds me of like uh, raju chacha or like some king uncle or something like that. yeah it was like more like that <laughs> that that uh, king feeling a separate executive floor and you know a young brand manager is walking up to share his plan and that's right. what uh, that person had asked everybody to do so that he gets to know us better uh, and he said he said hey what do you think is wrong with this and mm-hmm. i said that i think uh, you know it's a it's a bit old etc he said no i think you're being too safe uh, oh. and he started to tear off the the wrapper of that bottle that's an impression that's still there in my mind and he said nikhil we can this bottle goes in the houses of 10 crore consumers so whatever change we do here will impact those many people do you really like it and he started to almost tear that thing off mm. and uh, i think that was quite a quite dramatic. an experience for me very dramatic i think he, he was a very very senior leader uh, so he made it that way and and then i freely spoke my wine i mean i had not consulted my category heads and my bosses at that time i <laughs> just, just went for it i just went for it i said hey this is uh, this is quite old we need to change that we need to advertise like png we need to add more science along with ayurveda talk about our ingredients this this packaging is not cool it needs to be next to a shampoo so it needs to look like a shampoo bottle nobody wants to look at these old oil bottles etc etc so i right. i made a lot of these stupid type of statements uh, but when i came down i think uh, my boss Uh, called me he said hey what conversations have you just had i said nothing i just got a brand plan signed and uh, we also had a little chat uh, because the gentleman had already called my boss and then they had a meeting and then with the help of people around me uh, we embarked on a very very significant change on a very very important uh, brand that we had mm-hmm. so we changed the packaging we changed the perfume we created a new film uh, mm-hmm. we did clinical trials for the first time uh, and then we brought it to the market you know a lot of things came along with it and uh, i think it it really uh, made a strong impact on my career that not to be afraid just speak up your mind uh, and mostly people will will just let you off because you are too junior so you can get away with this by being cute and uh, so I, i i played with it and i went along so wow. you know this is very interesting because very few people believe that they can take ownership of their role or the entire brand at at early at these early stages of their career they wait for the right moment to happen and did you feel that you may get fired or you know in the whole process of speaking your mind out you don't have didn't have concerns like that i think i've been told a few times by my bosses and uh, sometimes very interestingly like one of my bosses told me that mm-hmm. hey the the way we are going i think somebody will lose their job uh maybe it's me maybe it's you and of course it meant me so, you know, so, <laughs> so these are the ways i've been mildly threatened but uh, i i think and now that i am in senior management i think senior management wants to listen uh, the voice on the ground they want to listen from the person who's closest to the consumer and who's not afraid who's not you know rounding off the trends with uh, six monthly averages and smoothing out and showing what or massaging the data enough to show what they want to or what the senior management wants to listen and hear and what will look good in a presentation i think they want uh, people who are immature enough to actually say what exactly is the say problem say the truth right say the truth i mean that's why this entire concept of market visits in fmcg companies is so useful i mean even in today's business we do a lot we used to do it in our banking as well whereas we go and just ask people hey what's not working and probably it will always be the junior most person who's going to tell you the truth rest everybody will say hey we are doing a great job by the way etc you <laughs> never really know what's the problem and they right. feel can't can't fix it um, true so i think speaking up your mind and uh, with a good intent and of course uh, i think you learn the art of then putting your point across uh, and how you do that i think there's a full science around it uh, always lands up well i mean that's been my experience uh, i've never been fired so far so i, I think it's working for me <laughs> no we had our one of our guests was the managing director for timex watches and the whole yeah. group and she said the same thing she said you know it's very important that you go to the ground level and get the information at the source Absolutely. and not let it filter through multiple other Absolutely. people's interpretations so i think you second the same idea completely totally agree with that but every time you have made a career shift it was kind of from you know one uh, beautifully safe structured company to the other and that continued for quite some time 
until you chose your current role. So please tell us about how difficult the transition was, what exactly happened and how your family treated the whole thing. Wow, it looks like a job interview now. But <laughs> <laughs> Oops, did I sound like that? <laughs> I've been uh, quite restless, uh, like many of us in the initial stages of my career. And uh, therefore, I, I made a lot of shifts. And uh, I probably wanted to do something new every year um, and disrupt the brand or disrupt the product that I'm working for. I mean, till I really understood that how you read to really brand manager proof your stuff, uh, <laughs> which is really important because look, I mean, every summer it's going to be the same Coke bottle. It's going to be the same brand manager and he or she needs to find the same thing, but, but bring in a lot more continuity of the work of the last 100, 150 years. Right. So not necessarily that every time you will find an assignment, which is totally disruptive and sometimes just continuing the course can be even more difficult than disrupting something. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I think I've never been sort of afraid. So I, I spent the initial seven, eight years in FMCG companies, uh, all about hair care, etc. till I got bored about discussing hair and, and you know, <laughs> hair regimes of people and meeting consumers. And uh, I got quite fascinated by, by banking. And uh, multinational banks at that time in India were trying to go the FMCG way and trying to structure their products and propositions just like consumer companies. Right. And uh, so I made one big shift uh, to an MNC bank. Mm -hmm. And I really liked there because I mean the kind of data and the kind of information that we had. And because I was all along a product guy, I was really fascinated by the entire services market. Service, right. thought there was hey, so much convergence. Uh, an intangible and how much and how do you build a brand in an intangible there's no bottle to hold this time there's no label right. to get uh, but it's all experience it's about how somebody at a contact center is going to speak to you uh, it's about little things like the caller tune on a relationship manager's phone uh, mm -hmm. and so on so like really micro detailing and and how important it is uh, so i i spent a lot of time there as well mm -hmm. and uh, till i landed this job which i thought that hey i worked with a like probably the biggest companies in the world, like City and Amazon and HSBC. Uh, now I want to do something which is very, very entrepreneurial and really go back to, to almost like restarting my career and create something and then look back and say that, hey, this is something that I built. And, and But why? Why this. would you do that? Like, you know, generally when I think people... it's, an, it's a niche, honestly. I mean, after you've done a role and I mean, I was one of the youngest directors in City, uh, mm -hmm. doing really well there. And uh, then I thought that, you know, what will I do next year? I mean, I'll probably do a little more of the same thing. What right. will I do the year after? I think it will be similar-ish. Um, I want to do something very, very disruptive. And whatever knowledge that I've gained in terms of, you know, market of digital and marketing, etc. I want to take a small company and make it big. Uh, mm -hmm. Only then will I know that I can really do it. Because so far, I mean, these companies could have done equally better or even better without me. True. So how do I create something and say, hey, this time it was only you and nobody else. True. So, so yeah, I think I was, so I was deliberately, yeah, I was honestly deliberately looking for, for doing something. So I was talking to a lot of people which were starting out mm -hmm. uh, or starting out companies. And, and this one really clicked with me uh, because of the first boss I had. I mean, I was quite inspired by, by our interactions. And I thought he's a person I would want to work for. I respect mm -hmm. him. And uh, here's a company that sounds just about right for the kind of uh, person I am. And okay. I think that that date has lasted on well so far. <laughs> <laughs> so how, what was your family's reaction? like? <laughs> they were quite shocked. I mean, uh, from, I mean, I have like uh, two full Almiras with suits and ties, etc. So because I was a proper <laughs> banker with yeah. all my cufflings and, you know, everything. <laughs> Things that you do not require anymore. Thing that that are just not required because technically no one no one does now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I just carried a jacket in the first day of the job, and my wife said everything is fine. But can you just take off this jacket? It's just making me uncomfortable. So I said, <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, it was quite a change. I mean, culturally and otherwise. Uh, right. I mean, I used to have a seki and a, and, a, and a cabin, and, and I was also used to a smaller teak table. But yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're on the other side, you really enjoy it, and somebody to. Uh, you know, bring you tea in, in the office yeah. and you have a little sofa where people will come and sit for you. Um, from there, I came to this place, which was in a co-working place with a hot desking policy, no seats for everyone, <laughs> find your own parking, uh, oh, yeah. get, you know, set up your own laptop, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it really forces you to, to undergo a big change. And I think the biggest thing is to let go of your ego 
because yeah. somewhere it's also pinching you that you're not getting treated the same god like way. way that you were you are like <laughs> used one of to. The, which which which, to. which one is used to and right. uh, it takes a little while but yeah. uh, after that now i can't think of you know walking back in that suit i, I just find this so comfortable <laughs> just being yourself and and just being known for the work and not for for how you dress to work nice how nice that's, that's a great thought actually so i have your handwriting sample we had asked you to write on a blank sheet of paper which is an unruled paper something that we use for every graphology based analysis we told you to write anything that comes to your mind and you so i haven't i do not read what people write i do not want to get influenced by your words and how amazing you are i just want to make that interpretation otherwise just by looking at the writing so here is your writing and before i start and if i before i kind of build my interpretation let me also tell our listeners and viewers the whole idea of this conversation is for you to understand yourself analyze yourself so as i give feedback to nikhil you can also look at your own handwriting and check out if that stroke is applicable in your writing or not and you don't have to be super accurate about it as long as you understand it as long as you relate to the conversation that's perfect so nikhil are you ready Bated breath. Very, <laughs> very best. excited. Very, very excited. So the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm saying that because when you write on a blank sheet of paper, unknowingly you start going upwards, which means you start start at one point, and your writing starts moving in an, an up upward up inclined kind of formation. That is called upward baseline, as per uh, our graphology term. Anybody with that kind of baseline. is not a positive person which people generally believe it to be but that person is very very enthusiastic he or she loves to solve problems they love to look at every situation and come up with the best possible solution that was never invented before so it is not repeating the solution but it is really coming up with newer solutions that can really take you to the next level so nikhil everything that you spoke about why you wanted to move from one job to another kind of explains why would you not be able to stick to the mundane routine where you don't have any any problem to deal with so unlike other people who think a life comfortable life is all about having no stress for you when you don't have any stress that becomes stressful wow that's extremely extremely revealing what else do you know about me <laughs> this don't need to bring it on the show i'm just getting started this was like the, just the first point <laughs> no but i i completely uh, echo your understanding i think it's it's is absolutely the right one i think it's it's just the edge to you know do something impactful i mean i have huge marks for myself and my team for never being done before i mean i force people to wow. look at something new give us an example um for example right um, when i joined uh, city in india i mean my role was of a chief marketing officer but uh, we also felt that now a lot more business can happen digitally and mm -hmm. the role of marketing should move from just brand to actually performance and uh, i went out and we started to hire a lot more different profiles you know people okay. from google people from amazon people from linkedin etc people who all knew lot more about this digital. industry Mm -hmm. and uh, this stream and and they were all unconstrained i mean unlike me they did not know that rbi had this rule you cannot speak like this you cannot advertise like this you cannot right. take this customer information they had no idea and uh, together we i think created a really big digital business i mean um, when i left city i think we were doing more than half of our business in in, in many of our business areas digitally Uh, mm -hmm. and it was one of the largest contributors of new growth and new business origination and that is back in the day where digitalization was just starting was just starting so you know mm -hmm. a lot more convincing a lot more uh, working horizontally which is typically not the way mnc banks are structured right. because they are very siloed they are very hierarchical but you need to break a lot more boundaries very transformational also sometimes gives people that you know uh, somebody is going after their jobs so people challenge everything sure. that you do a lot you know right. in banks you have credit and risk people etc etc who would want to see everything through a i mean unless they have past data they will not allow you to move forward and how do you get past data if you don't start it yeah so so you know you always need to take small steps test and learn etc but i think this is just one example of you know trying to do something different i mean i can go on and on but mostly we i mean i've always tried and and my team has been Uh, always there for me that that we have sort of thought of newer ways of solving a problem because i believe that if you if you have the same input and you only keep improving the input 
I mean, the output will be pretty much the same. So unless you dramatically change the input, the output is not going to change. And I believe in that in those step functions, a bit of an engineer in myself, sure. but uh, you, you know, you can only bring a step change if you bring a step change in your input. So, which means trying out new stuff. If it doesn't work, uh, you know, take it on the chain and move on. So basically you're saying creating smaller experiments and, you know, putting ideas to use and then deciding will really help. Absolutely. I mean, you need to take that risk and, and put yourself completely out there uh, to say that, you know, you strongly believe, I mean, on the basis of data, but also a lot more hunch and gut and a bit of more bravery, which, which is, which is hard to find in, in corporate world imagine. as you move on. So. I can imagine. <laughs> so what are the things that I feel stood out for you every time you wanted to make a different move something that was unconventional was your ability to see the end result clearly so you would not make plans which are 10 years down the line you would make short-term plans like five years three years and execute them and i'm saying that because when you cross your lowercase letter t you place the horizontal line in the middle okay. anybody who does that they are extremely end result oriented now, on that path of executing your idea, if people oppose, if they stand in your way, then you have another stroke that supports your behavior, which is argumentativeness. It is found in the letter P. <laughs> <laughs> it is found in the letter P, where your P has an extension on the top, like an antenna. And that is where you are always attuned to bring in logic to solve any problem. So if people can't beat your logic, which very rarely happens, people can't beat your logic easily. Now, in that case, they have to either get convinced or get out of the way. And somehow you've managed to figure a way around that because your ideas and your research is so solid before you say anything, before you present that thought that you would not come up with a fancy idea only because you felt like not not always and yeah. support it with everything that has gone so when you talk about gut feel especially for you i would say it is not a gut feel which is intuition it is gut feel which is based and steeped into observations so you are so acute in your observation that you keep collecting data knowingly or unknowingly even at, at parties and when you're chatting with people you're constantly collecting data and all of that information is used when you're making your business decisions so it is it is like a two-way process that is on all the time that's also a very remarkable observation I, i'm getting more and more scared now <laughs> this just shouldn't have been a live session but, but <laughs> But, but no, I mean, you're, you're quite right. And I mean, that's one of my areas of development as well. Um, so typically, I, I do observe a lot. And I think, um, I mean, my business sits in my in my head a lot. So if I if I earlier days, when I used to go for for shopping, etc, in any, in any supermarket, I used to keep looking at brands and products and my wife used to get sick of my, you know, marketing <laughs> behavior there. When I joined banks, I mean, then I used to keep I mean, it's an obsession. Like, then you will see everybody's checkbook. You will see their credit cards. You know, what's the brag value of taking an X credit card versus the other? Right. Even if you're getting a, a raw deal, just because right. you want to show that you're you're there. I mean, I I used to make these small small things, and uh, I think the thing that I do is that uh, I I back that a lot because I've seen it in action. Right. Uh, I'm I'm not afraid to go bold on that. So. I know that, you know, I have seen it in action. This is the true consumer behavior. And sometimes we don't even get the data to necessarily support it. Many times we do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just about being a little bit bolder and go on. For example, I mean, I used to see a lot more mommy groups mm -hmm. uh, and see how, how women used to discuss some of our current products. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they actually say is, is, is truly each one telling, you know, their, their observations to, to one another. Right. But you know, actually, that even they are conscious that they are in a social environment. So they are still not telling what they are, what they are really wanting to genuinely tell. feel, right? What's what's yeah. truly, truly genuine. So you just need to apply that filter all the time. So observe carefully and, and then go for it. But yes, I mean, I try and always use logic a lot. I, I think what I need to do a bit more is uh, if people are not really getting it, be a bit more patient on that. I think I do end up sometimes a little bit steamrolling as well because I strongly feel that this is the right way and uh, you know we can't wait for all the data to happen and all the cows to come home and mm -hmm. we need to get going so I'm, I'm quite like action focused so I have this bias for action 
because I believe that if you don't take action, you don't get further observation and data. And uh, sometimes you get real data only when there's a response to a stimuli. I mean, if right. there was no response to a stimuli, you will you can keep asking and keep looking. You will probably not get it. So it will be only a hypothesis about something yeah, that may or may hypothesis. not. I mean, yeah, you need to take that first step and and test it out. And of course, caveat the risk. You know, box it out, budget for it. Mm-hmm. Um, socialize it with people i mean all these things i've learned over the years but you still need to do it <laughs> so i i want to ask you this and then we'll we'll keep the session where you can ask any question that you like but i wanted to ask you how did you look at your brand and business not only surviving but growing during the pandemic when everything you know it's my favorite question to ask especially post lockdown that what were your challenges and what did you do different or differently in this process yeah. to thrive I think it was a very very testing time and uh, hand on heart and I say it to everyone I think I've learned more in the last one year that I've learned in the last 19 years of my professional mm-hmm. life and you know there was a point in time after 17 18 years where you think you know a lot right mm-hmm. that you've <laughs> a lot of course you know you you're slightly getting there the linkedin guru levels and then you get hit by covid and you really really have to rethink everything and mm-hmm. us being a smaller company in india i think uh, on one hand there was a thing that our categories got a real acceleration because uh, we are into vacuum so you know the absence of domestic help increased right. focus on health and hygiene really boosted our categories i mean we never had stocks to give to people uh, salons were shut so more and more women were styling their hair at home so you know right. some of our personal care products etc but also we no but people were not going out so then but they were not was, going out so yeah, yeah so so we, we we built a big uh, online stroke digital business to actually meet that demand so mm-hmm. Uh, and that those are some of the big repivots that we did so the entire front line they all our stores uh, all our physical distribution got shut so uh, what our team remarkably did is that all of them started to do video demos with people so they started to reach out to clients and they say hey do you want to take a video demo of how to use an air app on your hair mm-hmm. uh, and the women would get so convinced and after that she can come on our website or she could go to amazon flipkart and the likes and purchase the machine and i was amazed to see that people who are in retail for 15 20 years how quickly they repivoted and adapted themselves to doing something on video um, from their own houses with whatever limited uh, you know resources. equipment that they had and the resources mm-hmm. that they had uh, but because but they, because they were coming out as so genuine and uh, so useful i right. think people that lapped up us you know our air purification for example i mean covid being airborne and things like that i mean uh, people wanted to know a lot more Mm-hmm. and uh, in dyson we always try and be authentic so very authentically we used to tell that hey this is what we do this is what we don't do uh, and and you know, this is how it helps you with clean air and this is as much as it will go against what you're thinking sure. the other big aspect when you talk about covid is is all about cash management and and keeping the company afloat right so uh, never in my life before did i know that what is the cost of a single seat how much do we pay for parking Uh, what are our travel expenses uh, you know what is a cab cost etc etc but when you are pushed to such a corner and sales really takes a beating you have to go through every line with a fine comb and and think about can we do, i mean it was if it were our own company could we have uh, it differently would have yeah. would we have still gone ahead and done this uh, and we did this as a company not as an individual and i think uh, we had very interesting uh, scenarios where head of marketing which was me at that time also doing country manager role would come up and say hey i don't need these budgets i think uh, we, we can we can use these you know communities and influencers to do our job uh, you know the the head of contact center would say hey i would shift my entire contact center and we can work from home mm-hmm. the head of retail would say hey i will completely pitch in with video demos it's all right if my people don't make incentives but as long as they are video demos doing video demos and contributing we are all in so mm-hmm. people come on their own because it's their it's our own company Mm. and that's another important facet that you learn which you will probably not learn when you're working in a trillion dollar company because there is so much cash they can last right. for another 100 years uh, right so so your your dream or your your whatever request of working as an entrepreneur truly came true truly came true truly <laughs> i mean more than came true so more than and the third and the most uh, uh, important aspect i think the biggest thing that i learned as a leader was to uh, really take care of your people I mean, I got calls late in the night asking for oxygen cylinders and oh concentrators, etc. Not something that uh, you know even the organization can do. Sure. So you know, we made informal groups. We used to have 
daily attendance for each and every used to speak to everybody in the organization to check if they are doing well or not mm. um, we got into parental insurance we got into enhanced covers we got into vaccination drives whatever we could do but most importantly and we always said that that we have to help each other as human beings there's only that much that we can do under the professional umbrella uh, but if you know and we had people whose moms used to use an oxygen cylinder but he said hey i think she can manage for a couple of days why don't we give it to person oh x God. because they really need it and you know the third person will go in their car pick that up and provide it to somebody else and that really tells you that uh, you know how tightly can people uh, work together work each other and if they work together how big a force can they be and we really like stopped, shifted our phys, uh, focus from business to people and now when situation has really improved we are seeing our same people really coming back to us and wanting to make up of what we lost mm. so i think it's a, it's a very reciprocal thing i mean i be, i'm a big believer of trust uh, and trusting in people and team and and fellows and uh, just as we are thinking that it's our own shop mm. i think each and every person in the organization is going to think uh, of it as as their own shop and and we had remarkable examples of people uh, going what out you're saying is eventually so, they did Just beautiful. So, uh, so I think that's that's what the journey of COVID was. So very very challenging, uh, but also very satisfying. I think you probably did not uh, make them like lessons, but in the conversation and in the the way you were sharing the stories, one of the stories I would like you to talk about. Where yesterday we spoke about in your style of leadership, taking ownership of each project is essential. And yeah. second thing you mentioned that how every single project must create impact so you spoke about women returning to job as yeah, one of yeah. your initiatives i thought that was inspiring while talking about it i'm getting goosebumps because i know so many of our, our friends like female friends yeah. do not feel as comfortable going back home uh, going back to work Absolutely after right. you know there <laughs> no no you're not pressurized to say that <laughs> do feel uncomfortable going back to work after pregnancy after getting married whatever like a longer sure. break so what did you do and how did you pull that through no i think something really close uh, to my heart i mean i'm a father of two girls so something that i've seen in my own house and my my wife was with me in iit so she was my batchmate so you know okay. seeing her go through similar emotions uh, i think gives me a fairly good understanding of how this worked mm. and also in my stream i invariably had more than half of my team as women so you know you could come across this situation many times so this happened uh, without naming that multinational bank we we were looking at data and we saw that a lot more women enter the pipe mm-hmm. and as the pyramid starts to become Group. narrow and narrow our high performance women are starting to fall out mm-hmm. and uh, at the top we are really left with 6 to 8% which was not making sense not looking good and nobody really believes in it it's not that uh, we are mcps Right. We know it's not correct, uh, but right. we are not doing anything about it. And then we looked at data, and the most significant uh, incident was uh, that you know somebody became a mother, right. and uh, returning mothers or or this entire emotion around women coming back to work was a big one. Right. So it had to be tackled on multiple ways. I think a big part of that was simply coaching the managers who had female team members. who were going on maternity leaves not to start to write them off because you know it was very very common in both men and women by the way of course uh, surprisingly unfortunately uh, yeah and unfortunately that you know when she will come now she will have a young one so she she cannot give this much time you know let's not give this this will require 24 by 7 boss don't think about her right so don't have that emotion and uh, you know i think a little bit of coaching there really helped and most of them really understood it as as human beings as well as when they looked at their sisters their mothers their their wives etc uh, or their spouses right uh, the other thing was also to put in some systems in place that if ex employee who's going to become a mother is going for this thing her rating will be locked mm-hmm. and she will come back on the same assignment so you even if you want wow. to you cannot change it so you are you are locked so you better do a good job in terms of uh, ensuring that the that the experience is correct wow and uh, also the third thing was a large part of the managerial assessment we had mm-hmm. separate manager performance scores were bases the feedback of how the manager has behaved which would be a 360 done by other members of the team right how did you start to behave towards that person who was now going on a maternity leave or coming back uh, you know right after delivery so so these were some of the quant and qual things but the most important thing was really coaching and working with the women and here i used the help of lot of my other high performance uh, you know female friends from 
you know, CMOs from other companies, business heads, wow. CEOs, all women who've done a great job to come and speak to our teams, uh, come and speak to their women about their own journeys and uh, what are the challenges and what are the ways to cope up about it and how do you not feel guilt about leaving your child? How should you proactively look for help? I mean, be a bit scientific about it, right? I right. mean, start to create your safety net, etc. Mm. And uh, I think it really landed well. I mean, our metrics showed a lot of improvement. Uh, and I was particularly happy with it. I mean, uh, like I said, something really close to my heart. And uh, I mean, I have such women all the time. And my personal experience is that if you really give people a good experience when they're leaving, everybody's anxious, by the way, very, of very course, anxious, especially the high performers. Right. Um, it's your job to give them the comfort that when they are coming back, they are welcome. And you value the break. And this is the best thing. Job is a very insignificant part of their lives, by the way. What they're getting is actually something really, really big. So help them shape the perspective. Of course. Um, and these people and these women will come back and they will be your, you know, many of them actually came back and they were way more mature than I was. <laughs> I mean, they, they became my mentors. I mean, just because they had gone through a very transformative experience and they delivered through their skin. I mean, they were so grateful. They were so genuine. Uh, you know, they would put their kids to sleep, work till from 10 in the night to one. I mean, my own wife, I've seen her getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning because the kid was sleeping right. to finish her work while all of us used to get up at 7, 7.30 okay. so that it does not interfere with, with the routine of the house, so to speak. Right. So that's how driven women are, I think, uh, at least the high performance women that I've come across. So absolutely must for everybody to take care and be very, very sensitive and aware about this aspect. We want more feminist men like this in the system who would not only talk about it over in parties and in conversations, but truly do something and you know, make changes yeah. in the system so that, you know, we can really see where... See, I'm an outnumbered member, right? With two daughters. <laughs> and a, I mean, I'm like... I can imagine. Only can 25%. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're protecting a minority. We get that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In many of the diversity meetings in the past, I have the one who attended them because they were <laughs> always like 90% female, only 10% yeah. men. So we said... We, we understand your pain, of course. You're like, okay, we require... <laughs> no, it's not a pain. <laughs> <laughs> always fun. So over to you. What questions do you have for me? Lost. I mean, you you like sort of done a <laughs> a meta scan on on everything <laughs> that I am. So so you obviously know all the answers. But uh, a few things that I wanted to ask you. One is I think you you mentioned about uh, sometimes pushing my my point a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that that I feel sometimes can make me a little bit pushy. Uh, and maybe project oneself as not being open to everybody else's idea just because I believe very strongly it's right and, and I have this huge bias for action. So like, what can we do about that? Okay. <laughs> Is there a graphology solve for this? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, uh, before we get to graphology solves, uh, the fundamental excitement that we spoke, you know, like problem solving and seeing things through that, that drives you and when we feel so driven, we also believe that other person should or will feel driven in the same manner. And when they do not, when they do not reciprocate the same idea or do not connect to the same concept, we start questioning them, questioning their intent, their ability, or, you know, why would somebody yeah, not do it yeah. for you? It is so obvious. Now, this is where I believe that you go to work on little perspective building. Mm -hmm. And it is, I don't think you're impatient at all, by the way. Uh, because impatience in writing is shown when the I letter, the dot on your I is flying on the right side or the, the T bar, the horizontal line that I was talking about is flying on the right side, which is not applicable in your writing. So I don't think you're impatient. Yes, you become very, very uh, concerned about what you're excited about and you become very you know, stubborn. And that's the word I was trying to avoid, but <laughs> stubborn about certain, Bring it on. <laughs> certain, certain ideas. This is where just understanding and, you know, instead of saying, oh, this idea is great because it is mine versus this, this idea is great because of the merit of the idea can really help and communicating that. So even if you're doing it for the idea and for the action that you believe in, just communicating and taking that extra step to say these things can help. Noted. No, so I think that that would be helpful. Graphologically speaking, there is no quick fix as such. So the very moment you try to change something, you got to practice it for say six weeks. 
And when you do that, that allows your mind to get rewired in a certain way. So I would say that, you know, the fact that your signature goes really, really upward, that keeps you super excited and also uh, at times involved in multiple pies. So if you can just tilt it a little bit and make it more straightish, mm -hmm. it would help you to remain more focused. That, that could, you know, that would just become like one, a laser one, sharp. Yeah. One question that I was thinking when I was writing these few sentences for you is that I was actually writing something after a while. And right? uh, how, that is self was... How many years? Yeah, I mean, after a while. I mean, I, I generally like to still write. I mean, even if it's on an iPad, etc. But but yeah, I mean, it was like writing on a pen and paper after a while. Right. So, um, I mean, how like how do you see this with people? Because, you know, there was a time when we used to write so every much. Every day. Yeah. yeah. Every day and, and so much. And now with, with typing and everybody on their MacBooks and, and laptops and, you know, mobile phones, etc. And just chatting away. Uh, I mean, how does it affect us as as people? I mean, you know, I mean, how it must be very interesting for somebody who who reads and understands uh, writing. So writing as such is evolved, or you know, you we all practiced it when we were very very young. I don't. I'm not talking about today's kids who are you know learning with iPads, but yeah. for our generation or people who are at least twenty plus today, we have spent at least twelve years of our lives writing every single day in our primitive years yeah. so everything that we thought that time got wired together in that skill which mm. was you know then built practice and most people took pride in or were you know, yeah criticized yeah. for but that was an identification that you carried around wherever you went yeah, yeah. good boy good handwriting <laughs> exactly right and i must tell you confession i had the hor most horrible handwriting and that the context also because my father was an art director so he has had a beautiful writing and he used to mm. do calligraphy and all of that oh. so compared to him no matter what i did i always had a horrible writing and i was punished the most for my writing so yeah i'm i'm still seeking revenge again <laughs> So, uh, so the writing became was such an important part as we grew up and even if you don't try it, like swimming, like cycling, if you yeah. try it after many years, the muscle memory takes some time, but it resumes. Mm -hmm. So with writing also first two lines, you must be might have struggled. But once you started writing and the thought took over and you got involved with the thought, then it just started flowing the, yeah, as yeah. if you have been writing. No, for that's a long true. Time. And after I saw that piece, I said, hey, man, it's going like all in one direction. <laughs> I mean, this is because you don't even write on an unruled paper, which is what you're... Uh, yeah, but that's, that's, that's the trick because when you don't have yeah. any guidance below to, to write, this is where the mind takes over yeah. and the things that I said, you know, enthusiasm and what you do. So every micro choice made in the writing talks about your choices that you make in your everyday life. And there are 800 strokes and permutations of it. So it might not sound like it, but it's a complete mathematical study. Mm -hmm. So when you compare one trait with the other and combine the two to find the cause of the problem. So what I love about it is so many times we talk to people, we do not understand where the problem lies. Yeah. You're talking about like in a counseling setup, you know, the person would tell me about what the problems that they have, how they look at it. And I have no way to evaluate whether it is really true or it is that person's interpretation or a story or, you know, they're making it yeah. up. Yeah. You have no clue. But with graphology as a tool with, with me, I can actually check and cross question and go deeper in the areas which are bothering. So, yeah. Oh, it's like a polygraphic test. <laughs> uh -huh. You didn't know what you're signing for. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. What are you, your questions? <laughs> okay. So, look, I mean, one more thing about me is, uh, and you know, I think I should, I should use this to also share that I also get anxious sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before anything which is very important to me or very significant career goals or project goals or team goals, uh, you know, they make me anxious. And whereas I would not show them and I would always come across as confident and calm joking and away and calm and, you know, the big sense of humor, etc. But underlying, you know, they, I mean, it bothers me. Um, mm -hmm. So does that also get connected with the way I write? And of course, again, your so two cents are very valuable here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now let's look at anxiety. Anxiety is reliving or imagining an outcome that has not happened or that can happen negatively and yeah. in a way engaging with it and playing that movie over and over again in our minds and your body believes in it and responds to it. Some level of stress is essential because without which you would not grow, you would not move forward. Okay. So we look at athletes 
you know they work under pressure and that's what they are in a way recognized for celebrated for because those who work beautifully under pressure are the people in a way you know you believe we can count on and and get the medals and all of that similarly i i call it stress appetite some level of stress we got to build and work around anything that causes anxiety for you is a pattern it has that's happened true. before it is, is happening true. now and you are in a way feeding for your future that every time you get triggered in a certain way these reactions will happen mm-hmm. what we got to do again you know using more logical approach here is to look at the trigger identify it and find a way to dissolve and diffuse the trigger what people work on is only their reactions mm-hmm. what we are you know constantly feeling uncomfortable yeah, about yeah yeah we are always told about yeah yeah it's not yeah, how let you me breathe act, it's how you react and, and all that which so, <laughs> is bullshit it, by the way because you can't do that exactly if you are once it triggered it is yeah. out of your control and if you would have had a control you wouldn't have behaved in this manner to begin with true but what do we do is we when it happens when you are anxious about something in the moment trying to control it is trying to break your car at 100 speed of 100 kilometers oh. and that doesn't work but when your car is uh, at a standstill when you have gone through that so called episode yeah. taking 10 minutes to observe what happened seeing where exactly your trigger was how that trigger kind of got you riled up would be a great exercise and that need not take more than 10 minutes because if you make a long routine and if you make like a long process you won't get time to do it yeah. but once you build that awareness that oh if i was triggered which means this situation had a control over me and i was enslaved by the situation so the very moment you start observing if you give me an example i'll be able to elaborate no no i mean yeah i mean i think maybe that's too personal but but you're right i mean there is there's always a pattern i i do agree and uh, i think if you've not been successful on those occasions in the past or you've had a negative experience the next time and and thankfully for me i think i'm able to isolate i know that hey this this causes I, I stress so. i mean this makes me anxious also but, i must uh, tell you yeah. here that logic is your best friend in that sense mm-hmm. you process emotions through that lens you process finances you process business decisions so once something comes into your awareness and if you can break it down and look at it as like okay this is the a side and this is the b side and this is what i these are the way i am looking at the situation and this is where my trigger is you quickly go around it so a small exercise is when you're not anxious when you are not in the moment for everybody for all of us in those situations we can think about at least three alternate ways of solving the problem mm, yeah of going around that emotion of like catching the trigger early on before it takes over mm-hmm. now if we kind of build that as a mechanism and I kind of yeah. yeah and also play it as a mental game it mm. is it is really helpful cool cool no very helpful thank you another thing we got to send you and you know we always mention that in our description is a stroke of handwriting that can really help you called kama sutra is like calming strokes i call it kama sutra is a pun but the whole idea is you do this s stroke repetitively and you coordinate that with your breathing so as you breathe deeper while doing the stroke your body starts getting into the zone of calmness and you have Uh, i would say breather between your reactions and your triggers and that that is something which is body causing it and not mind overthinking i think i it. like that i mean Absolutely. logically because yeah. you know, a lot of people ask you to take deep breaths but uh, your mind still wanders and exactly. here what you're trying to do is probably force Using the mind toward yeah i mean you know that keeps your mind occupied uh, i don't know what s will do particularly but uh, yeah i mean it'll keep you because that is also a difficult alphabet to make right i mean you like and, and if you practice it small it, alphabet right you have to like <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an it, it requires some attention it's not a l you can just like go about it one yeah. that also the formation because we have as i was telling you 800 stroke permutations yeah. so it is in the upper zone it is in the middle zone so your mind goes through a problem solving and then you kind of so the formation kind of creates certain loops for you to stick around and it it's to be more creative and calm so we'll, we'll So how many it. asses <laughs> <laughs> depends on how big is your problem <laughs> <laughs> very interesting thank you aditi looks looks very exciting uh if you have to talk about three things that can be our listeners take away from your career journey what would that be so i think a um, couple of them surfaced during our conversation and uh, maybe one more that that i want to talk about so i think the first one is uh, you got to be brave 
and mm-hmm. take risks. I think I've overemphasized on this point, but uh, be it personal or professional matters, I have seen that being forthright and taking risks mostly work in your favor than against. And uh, one should not be afraid, particularly in a corporate scenario where most people hold themselves back. I think if you know something, speak up, uh, act, and uh, sometimes do something about it before you start to theorize it. Because when you do something about it, you have some data or what we call here as proof of concept. And once you have a proof of concept, then you have a very defensible and a defendable logic. And people are way more open. I mean, you know, the the entire software industry works on prototyping, right? Because once clients see something, in in action they start to uh, have a lot more believability in your in your in your in your idea so i think that's that's one that i would definitely say i like the the correlation with prototyping is what yeah. we require when on our emotional journeys if you True. something is not working might as well experiment something else and see yeah, and, and then create some some small success or early failure i mean early failure by the way is as important as early success so True. sometimes early failure tells you hey probably that's not the right thing True. and that helps you align better Great. Yeah. The second thing is, uh, I think, team. I, I again spoke about it. I've been very blessed that I've always got a rockstar team around me, and uh, I've been very, very conscious that we pick up, uh, you know, a certain set of people who are, who are bold, who want to make a lot of impact, who are team players, who are not afraid to speak up their mind, um, and again, deep down, they believe they can do a lot more. And mm-hmm. uh, if you bring all of them together. I think what you are doing is you are trying to create a high performance environment mm-hmm. and in a, in a meritocracy, I think people just, uh, you know, work with each other way better than they do otherwise. I mean, typically we see in, in, the, in the corporate life that, you know, there's a lot of politics and right. uh, people try to get closer to the boss. Hey, she's a blue eyed girl and he's a blue eyed boy yeah. kind of things. But if you create genuine meritocracy, I think nobody wants to be that blue eyed boy because, you know, it's actually a negative. Because people want to take that uh, achievement as their own, not because they were closer to somebody. Right. Uh, so I think we genuinely, I mean, I've been always uh, genuinely looking for some people. And once I find a few people, I use them to find more. And we always end up creating these high performance teams. And in all my jobs across my careers, I mean, I've, every time I thought, hey, this is the best team that I've worked with. <laughs> till I move on and I found that. You know, people even can raise team. the bar even better team, and wow. and you're surprised with the kind of talent which is which is there. I mean, some of these youngsters, and and I have a huge bias for young people, simply because I just think they are they are very unabashed, and you know they they care a flying f, True. and uh, sometimes that really helps a lot. I mean, especially as we try to, uh, you know, we are aging in our roles and getting more and more seniors, becoming country managers, and thinking through multiple lenses. Uh, you know, a younger team member can actually uh, have the luxury of not having all of those mental constraints and just shoot straight in the head. And I think uh, that's what you like and that's what you want. So always try and build teams like this or be a team member like that. It's Mm -hmm. it's going to help you either ways. Uh, It's not going to affect people just because they are in a high uh, performance environment. I think it just brings out the best and all of us are blessed in multiple ways. We don't know. It's Mm -hmm that we haven't been challenged in the right way is what right. I say. So right. if you're challenged in the right way, people do wonders. And the third thing is, I think, having resilience. Again, a very, very important thing because failures will come. And I've faced a lot in my career, uh, really big ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's the ability of uh, getting punched in the face, uh, but coming back again. Yep. And uh, So I what you're saying like, is, it's not yeah. about not falling, but actually the ability to get yeah, up. It's, it's about busting yourself and, and, and getting up. And uh, I mean, actually, and there are a few things. I mean, it, it's not natural. I mean, initially, you know, I used to think that I'm just naturally built like this, that I will, I will be okay in a few days. Right. And as I started to spend more and more time in corporate careers and, and became more and more senior, it, it started to take me longer and longer. Right. Because, you know, this time you've been really rogered in a, in a meeting with the regional president. So right. you feel bad for like three weeks. Earlier mm-hmm. it was okay. This time you are really unhappy with yourself. Right. Uh, and next time you are, you know, you are overthinking about the next meeting. Right. But uh, then I figured out that there are certain ways and things and hacks that you can do, which I would definitely want to share for a couple. Please, of so, please. Yeah. So, so the first hack around building resilience, I think, is, is to have a good connect. So, mm-hmm. you know, have, have that one friend or that family member. Uh, I mean, we all have multiple friends and family members, but have that one person who can be your pseudo coach and, uh, you know, 
whom you respect, uh, whom you trust, and you believe that what he or she is saying makes sense. Like and a mirror, it, somebody like who can a, hold a mirror. Yeah, somebody who can hold a mirror, but can influence you in a positive way. And you know that this, you know, every time you speak to that person in your friend circle, even if he's not your best buddy, right. you feel good, right? I mean, some people rub you in a positive way. Yeah. So, so look out for those people. I think that connect really helps build your own resilience. The Which second is beautiful thing, because you're saying resilience is not an individual idea. You it's not an individual. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a purely learned behavior. I think, wow. and 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 you when you look at sportsmen, because I'm a sportsman. I mean, they uh, imagine how a Roger Federer would have felt now that the way he lost in this Wimbledon, yep. right? Uh, just because he's Roger Federer doesn't mean that he will come out of this next year and start to play. True. He will take a while. He will go through his motions. But we also know he's Roger, so he's found a way that he will come back stronger. Mm. And, and that's what sometimes make these athletes great, right? Because they've been at that high stress performance, repeated failures, and yet they keep coming back. Whereas a lot of really bright ones come and, you know, they, they, they're like gone with the wind. Mm. Come for a couple of seasons and disappear. I want to mention the, the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck here. She mm-hmm. speaks about growth mindset where you yeah, keep yeah. showing up versus Absolutely. fixed mindset where you have, you're brilliant, you have great yeah, talent, yeah. So it's a but great you, you shine yeah. for some time because after that you cannot grow Absolutely. and you cannot find the resilience. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that is important. The second thing, again, very important is to, is to have some gratitude. And I think COVID has really taught <laughs> yeah, all that, right? That, uh, and many things that we take for granted. I mean, we are just worried about a high impact meeting or a project or a performance rating or, or a promotion. Right. But hey, look at so much that you have. And uh, once you, you survived, start, you're on the other right? side of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and most importantly, your life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there are so many things. So again, I mean, to your point of having that perspective. So once you try and build that perspective of gratitude and just for a moment, stop taking things for granted and, and then look around you, I think that really helps you calm down but also feel better uh, mm. and it will, it will help build your resilience because you know, you know that you've already got so much. It's not, everything is not uh, bad with you in life. I mean, mm. heavens have not really fallen. It's maybe just one promotion that everybody knew you deserved. Everybody was just, uh, just like you was waiting for it. You were expecting it didn't happen. It's all right. Mm. I mean, there's so many other things that you have. The third thing, take care of yourself. So I think both physically and mentally, I mean, if mm. you, I mean, I, I engage in a sport, but uh, I mean, you can run, you can exercise, people can do whatever. I think it really helps again, build back your resilience. And uh, I think sports is one great way that that's worked for me and both physical and mental. So, um, you know, you, you, you talked about this Kama Sutra stroke or, or yoga or meditation. I mean, whatever works for sure. people. Um, I, I used to, I practice Anulom Vilom, which really worked mm-hmm. a lot for me. I mean, I learned it from my father. But I thought that it every and now again, you see a pattern, right? When you're really down, you know, if you do that, initially, it will be a bit mechanical. Right. But in a couple of days, you will you'll find the groove and you will see that it, it sort of helps. And the last thing I would say is, is think forward. Um, what's gone is gone. But if you start to now think forward in terms of what's the next interesting thing that you want to do or how will you solve this problem in a different way? Right. I think it just makes you forget a bit of past and try to make you forward looking. I'm not saying don't learn from your mistakes do that but uh, not when you're down uh, mm. that's not the time to learn that's the time to really pick yourself up and uh, you know i think if you do these three four things uh, all together at one time it just helps you come back stronger and you know professional life or personal life i mean you will get a lot more beatings and uh, you know you just need to take them in your stride and the more resilient you are uh, the better you will do i mean some of the top performing people in any personal professional creator right field are all people with extremely high resilience so i think a very underrated quality but i always ask people about their failures and how they dealt with it uh, when i interview people i'm not interested in your most successful project and (laughs) the best thing that happened to you everybody has those moments tell me when you did not do well how did you deal with it and you can see through the through the authenticity of the person that uh, what the person really went through and does he or she has it in him True. Really come through next time when it will happen when when she will be a part of your team. True, so, and, I, and I think that's a great way of looking at it. So post COVID, so as a high performance coach, I worked with leaders for the longest time. But post COVID, yeah. we realized that people require tools. So we created this concept called a gym, 
where every week people practice their mental and emotional fitness tools mm-hmm. the idea being very simple that you know if you do, can do that for body why not for your mind and emotions very interesting so what you're saying is to be resilient also you need to know that there are muscles that you can count on Absolutely. and what techniques can you use when you are already in the situation and that's something one has to practice in whichever way that works for them i think that that's some absolute great and not not absolutely correct it's absolutely right you're right okay absolutely <laughs> right <laughs> thank you so much nikhil this conversation was beautiful i think the time just flew by both Why of us enjoyed it as well likewise likewise and so many learnings thank you so much nikhil this was wonderful i must say that the resilience and hacks around them was a favorite part of me of this conversation as a coach the whole idea and the story of getting women back to work and you know creating an environment which is nurturing and respectful for them just melted my heart which was your favorite part what is your key takeaway my email id is right w r i t at aditisurana.com so make sure you take a moment and share your experience share that in the comment section if you like share this conversation with anybody who would like to get inspired and find ways to improve themselves and claim the best version of themselves if you got curious intrigued and logically stimulated by the whole conversation around graphology if you want to learn it to make better hiring decisions to understand your spouse better or even to get to know your kid at a deeper level Level, then you can learn this whole skill with me in my graphology masterclass the information is mentioned on aditisarana.com nikhil spoke about resilience experimenting so many things that he uses as a leader which can be implemented in building your emotional and mental fitness something that we do on a weekly basis in our group coaching module called apt apt a for aspire p for perform and t for transform you can know more about this weekly conversation and a community of like minded amazing smart professionals the link is aptforme.com apt aptforme.com i will see you in the next conversation make sure that you keep learning keep growing and keep claiming the best version of yourself happy writing